0: how's everybody doing i'm waiting for our guest gina Bontempo, to join us she is a uh, fitness professional and a uh, political pundit and i thought it'd be an amazing time talking to her i believe she has some family stuff uh but i will talk to you guys on uh until we are uh, until she joins us if she's going to be able to i don't know I'm, I'm pretty sure but i just started a petition that i would like all of you to sign um this is where you can see it So please do sign my petition. Let's get this going here this 27 out of 50 31 signatures and it is in the chat right now. Please do. Please 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 do sign this. It is Oh, hang on. Here's Gina. So I am going to pop back on and we can talk about this here in a second. Give me one minute. Gina, it is a pleasure to meet you finally. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm good, thanks. Sorry I'm a couple minutes late, but thank you for having me.
0: Oh, no problem. And thank you for joining us. I've been a fan of yours for a while. Like we, me and you seem to talk about a lot of the same things online. Mm-hmm. You just do it in a much more attractive way than me. Um, but uh, I wanted to get your opinions on just a few things. I, th- I, f- I find your story rather interesting because I can very relate. Because what a lot of people don't understand about me is I used to be considered what would be cons- like, called a classic liberal. Um, Mm -hmm. And I believe that that's your history also. I read your your pinned post is how you uh, went to school and shaved your head and uh, wrote for Team Vanity and stuff like that. So can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was a raging lib. I had blue hair and half of my head was shaved. Um, I well, I grew up in a pretty small Southern town. So I grew up with kind of like the quintessential American life. But when I went to college and graduate school is when everything sort of changed, which I know is a very common narrative for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Higher education really truly does indoctrinate you. I'll, I'll never forget in graduate school, I took a class called race ethics in the U S prison system. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, the entryway into believing that all minorities were oppressed and that's kind of started off my, uh, my stint in classical liberalism. And then I wrote for a lot of women's digital magazines. I edited for a lot of these magazines. Um, and it all started with them giving me like a list of things to write about. And it was all these liberal topics, like about cultural appropriation and intersectional feminism, body positivity and fat acceptance. So I was behind a lot of that content for a few years. Um, and then I would probably say 2016 ish, that seems to be a pretty big red pill year for a lot of people. I think Trump really helped. Yeah, <laughs> Trump really helped usher that in. So that was the sort of year of reckoning for me. That was the year that the veil was pulled back. And that's the year that I left mainstream women's media, too, because I realized that all of the content that we were producing for women was really detrimental to women. Um, so that Absolutely. was a big turning point for me.
0: You know, I, it's funny you bring up 2016 because mine's for a different reason. I actually didn't vote for Trump the first time, but at that time I'd been a healthcare executive for quite a few years. It's right when I started on doing a commentary and on, on YouTube and stuff like that. But I had been a healthcare executive for about a dozen years at the time, and before that I believed in universal healthcare, and you know I would be considered what was called a tree hugger, those sorts of things. And when the DNC literally stole the nomination from Bernie Sanders. I was I, I I all of a sudden like sat back and took a look like they're they're all corrupt, you know, yeah. like like we we do need to do something different here, and then the more that I saw about healthcare care uh, you know and how the healthcare care system is in fact this not it's a sick care system designed to keep people sick yeah. uh, and it it just struck me how supportive the left all of a sudden became with it. I remember when I was growing up, liberals were considered to be people that like tried to just be in the best shape they could be in and, you know, try to avoid being in healthcare. And, you know, they, they called them tree huggers for a reason. You're into nature and everything like that. And it just shifted so hard in like the, in the 2012, to like Obama based, Obama destroyed a lot of shit. I, I, I mean, I I don't know if, I don't know if that upsets people in my audience, but arguably one of the historically most corrupt and evil people ever um if you ask me yeah. but the you wrote about body positivity what was like the like awakening moment uh, about about the shift in that for you because i i that's obviously a huge portion of my content that and i'm a bit i'm more of a like a constitutional like absolutist than any than than any you know republican or democrat but the fat acceptance community caught my attention, I believe, in 2016, also, which is where I was just like, this has to change. This is very detrimental. Like, um, but wh- where did where did you start noticing for them? Because we, we write a lot about the same things about obesity and stuff like that online. I just I was wondering your perspective on it.
1: The, I would say one of the first little things that started helping me see the other side was I was working in an editorial room in San Francisco. So I was working for a digital media company and that was the first time I was really in an office from nine to five in digital media. And it just occurred to me one day, I looked around the editorial room and I looked at all of the editors and editorial directors and executives that were pushing body positivity and fat acceptance content. And none of them were overweight. All of them were thin, very healthy. There was a pretty big culture in our office um, about working out and eating well, like right across the street was a Barry's bootcamp. And we would often, the editors would often get together after mm. work and go work out or sometimes go for a lunchtime class. And I, it occurred to me that none of the people who were promoting fat acceptance were fat. So it okay. was a very much rules for thee, but not for me. And this is a theme that is present in all verticals of women's digital media down to things like marriage rates and abortion rates, like all the women who write about abortion, all the women who write about, who discourage women from getting married, they're all married women who have children. And so they're pushing all of these harmful values onto their readers. And it becomes this very condescending thing. Well, I'm going to be a size two. I'm going to work out and have a kale salad for lunch. (laughs) But um, you should be fat. You should be Mm -hmm. fat because it's empowering. And that was the first time where I kind of said to myself, there's something going on here. And then probably the, I think this may may have been the last straw for me. One of my fellow writers was doing a piece on PCOS. So a lot of women in the States struggle with PCOS and most of the time PCOS is a result of lifestyle, poor lifestyle and diet. And she wrote in her article, she interviewed a couple of different experts and she wrote that obesity can either exacerbate or cause PCOS and that losing weight if you are overweight or obese, can be very helpful to treating PCOS. The mm-hmm. editorial director removed that part from her article and published it. And it was, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, do they do they actually want to empower people, empower women? You know, all these companies they claim to want to empower women, but they're giving this false information and detrimental information that's actually ruining their lives.
0: I mean, it's completely factual. Uh, th- at no point in time should anybody consider not losing weight if you have PCOS. Literally, because uh, the state of inflammation a person's in exacerbates just about just about every you know, health condition, but especially PCOS, which is also an inflammatory condition itself. I think that, like, uh, have you? Ever, you've, I'm sure you've seen the show The Biggest Loser, right? Yeah. I think that they honestly, like, I, the more I look back on those on those shows. And I would love the opportunity to redo one. I'm actually in talks with somebody right now about, about pitching an idea to like do one that would actually help people. Because even though I'm like the known as the yelly screamy guy, that's not how I coach people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I, I've, I've had a very good, very good success rate. I believe I've seen some of your, uh, your clients transformations to a very good success rate with helping people escape morbid obesity. And it's normally done by uh, move, uh, you know, safe movement based activity with proper nutrition and not being over restrictive, just being, a normal person. Right. But I think that those shows were meant to demonize fitness. Like the more I look back on it, um, at no point in time can I possibly imagine that they thought that they were doing the right thing. Um, the, I, I, and I do believe that's the same thing where Hollywood and the people that made that show are also, uh, the same people that you, that you worked for basically, where it's like, they don't really want the real information out there. They want it to seem either way too hard I mean, that's that the, that series of show probably convinced so many people not to even try, to to think that you need to actually almost break your legs running when you're 400 pounds to lose lose weight, and then watching these people's faces when they would lose like we would. I, I remember I, I was watching an episode not too long ago for research, and the person said, "You know, I only lost 20 pounds this week," and I was like, "Jesus fucking Christ!" Like, you know, like you only lost 20 pounds, and of course the person's huge, but. What I got to say is like there's a lot of things that people don't understand about the biology of this, when you lose weight that rapidly, especially if it's actual mass, if it's like if it's actual body mass, not just hydration, that changes the volume of blood your body needs. Like yeah. that can be so deliterous in so many ways. How much has social media, mainstream media, those sorts of things skewed the idea of fitness? And do you run up against the problems? This, like I'm wondering the problems you run up against in your own coaching with your clients. Because of those
1: things. Social media seems to present one of two extremes. And I think that's so unhealthy. So you on one extreme, you have, of course, something like Lizzo. Her handle on Instagram is literally Lizzo be (laughs) eating. And I know you (laughs) do a lot.
0: i will probably say that she's blocked me. I think me and Candace Owens are the only two people she's blocked. I was like, at least you know I'm what? In the conversation.
1: Saw, she blocked me too. I don't even know why I've never come after her. I mean, yeah. whatever. It's, it's, it's just one of those things where she knows exactly what she's doing. She knows oh, she's, yes. she knows she's morbidly really obese. She knows she leads an unhealthy lifestyle, but she pretends mm-hmm. like that's her natural weight. So you have these two extremes. You have the Lizzo's and the test holidays Mm -hmm. And then you have all all the way on the other side, you have fitness influencers who, you know, are totally shredded and have six packs and do all these bodybuilding competitions. And a lot of those people are not even really that healthy. So you're presenting this, these two extremes to an everyday person. And I work with a lot of women who are everyday moms. Like my, I would say my average quintessential clientele is a 40 year old mom with two sons you know, and they don't, they don't need a six pack. They don't need to have a perfect physique, but they also don't want to be morbidly obese so mm-hmm. that they can actually take care of their children and set a healthy example for the for the next generation. So a lot of these women come to me and they say that social media can be very discouraging on both sides because mm-hmm. you have the one extreme of the fat acceptance. And now magazines like cosmopolitan have, we've taken it from fat is beautiful to fat is healthy.
0: Yeah. Which is scary
1: which is so scary. So now you're pushing the agenda to go even more radical to where this is healthy and it's this morbidly obese person on the cover of the magazine. And then women also come to me and say that it's really discouraging that you've got these crazy fitness influencers that, you know, their hormones are all out of whack too, because they're doing all the wrong things. So it's just two extremes
0: right now. I, you know, I find that to be very, like very similar because I coach pretty much average everyday people. Like I, my business partner, Mark, he coaches like athletes, but I coach you know people that just want to live a little longer. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've got this phrase, like I, I train to lift nine pounds when I'm 90. I want to be able to lift my nine pound great grandchild when I'm 90 years old and not have anybody worried that I'm going to drop him You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's goals to me, you know? And the weird thing about society right now is that like, I'm, I'm not like you're around fitness people. So you understand what I'm talking about. I'm not that big of a man, but it's like, it's this still like people think I'm even extreme when I should be kind of like the average 50 year old, you know, like, I think we've gotten it so skewed in society where you either need to be like a 250 pound bodybuilder to be considered jacked or you're fat as fuck. And it's just, it's this weird thing where it's easy to demonize anybody that looks fit nowadays. Because we are in a very serious minority, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've been around. Uh, Mark is on a cruise right now, and he's like, "Holy shit!" Because he's all only around athletes all the time. He's like, "Oh my god!" You know. But I I, I've, I saw a post here the other day where you're talking about the obesity epidemic, and I, I my biggest concern is, what do you think we can do as a fitness community, as people, to try to start to just to rectify? Because my worry is knowing healthcare statistics the way I do, we we've already reached a tipping point where there's going to be some sort of mass culling within the next like 10 or so years. Like the all the data points to if the longer you stay obese, the shorter your life gets. And we've got a lot of people right now, I have a lot of clients who are in their mid-20s who've been morbidly obese since they were like 10. Oh. Like, you know, and if they don't change the change soon, they're not going to make 40. So uh, we already see the average age of life expectancy dropping. We already and I'm worried that we're going to see this like a mass culling of the population because it's just not sustainable to be in your be 30 years old, with 300 pounds and not change, not do something about it. You're not going to live long. Right. But also. At the same time, it seems that we have demonized fitness to the stage where like I saw an article the other day I talked about where they kind of feel like put it out there, like, don't work out too hard. You might have a stroke. I saw that. <laughs> what the, the, I mean, like, what do you think we can do besides, you know, set an example and just kind of talk? Cause I'm, I'm a big believer in kind of how, like, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're like me without the swear words. And again, much more attractive because like, I'm just not like, I've just kind of put it out there where it's like, this is just the truth. You know, I mean, it, no matter how we go about it, if you're this big, you are unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And while that wins over some people, I just don't see that. I, I see that the mainstream media engine, which is driven by pharma, which is another crazy thing that people don't seem to correlate. They're just pushing the Lizzo's and, and, and Tess Holidays world. What can we do as people uh, to try to right the ship?
1: It's such a good question. Um, it's funny you say that, you know, sometimes I deliver the message a little more gently. And that's honestly because women... Can't handle hearing a message delivered in the way that a lot of men do. So, someone like you or, you know, Ajax Alexander Cortez, like he always yeah. talks about how he can't deliver his message to women the way that he does to men because it just doesn't land. So, sometimes I want to shout at people because it's just, I wanted to shout at these women because it's so hard to see them self destruct. But it's, you know, sometimes women have to hear kind of a softer tone. And even my tone is really not that soft, but. You know, it's a tough question because there's a lot of things. I think number one, we have to convince people that you are the answer. Yeah. We have to, we have to really make people understand that our bodies are incredible systems that are designed to heal themselves if you just give them the right tools. Right. So what really makes me nervous these days is the rising popularity of Ozempic, Wegovi, oh. all these semaglutide drugs, I mean diabetic medications that are being, you know, hijacked for weight loss. And it really makes me nervous how so many of the media companies are pushing it. And obviously pharmaceutical companies pushing it and doctors are just handing it out to all these people. Now, I mean, I know people who are just 20 pounds overweight and they just go Crazy. to the doctor, they get Ozempic and, you know, it's not, I just don't think that we're going to really see the full effects of something like Ozempic until another 10 years down the line. So I think well, they what, don't have any
0: long-term testing.
1: Exactly. And yeah. people are like, oh, every drug has a side effect. I'm like, just wait. Just wait and see what's going to happen in five to 10 years.
0: You know, th- from the studies on it, like, first of all, a lot of people don't understand sem- semaglutide is the, is the actual like parent in- ingredient, both Wegovy and Exempic are uh, semaglutide. And it it's a black box warning on it for thyroid tumors. Like yeah, it, right. it, is, it is, it is the harshest warning that the FDA can deliver, which the FDA is, I mean, it's pay for play, but, um, and they have no long-term testing. So, a medication that causes such serious side effects. Like people, I mean, some of this stuff is just crazy. I mean, and it's not even just the ones that people talk about all the time, but people have suicidal ideation on this all mm-hmm. the time. This medication is contraindicated to be uh, to be written for people that have any type of depression. Name me a 300 pound person who has type two diabetes that is gonna, willing to pay $1,500 a month and inject themselves in a the stomach that does not have depression. Like I mean, I, I have a hard time believing this, right? And they tell people right off the bat that they just plan on them being on this medication forever. Yeah. They have no idea what it's going to do to them. Like it, people, it's going to, I, I worry that it's just going to just blow out people's pancreases after a while. Yeah. Like their livers and pancreas are just not going to, be able to take this at all. And that's another reason why uh, since we're going more towards the, like that model, like the pharmaceutical model that way also, that is, I, I believe is going to be very, very, very hard. It's the same thing with cardiovascular disease, type two diabetes in general, where lifestyle mitigation and leading a healthy lifestyle, you know, eating whole foods and, you know, and having occasional enjoyment, good social interactions, mm-hmm. uh, having a strong family unit, uh, you know, like taking, like love, have spending time with your children, your parents, your family, your spouses, like these things are, are very tenable to health. But instead, they everybody's going to a pharmaceutical-based model. Their model, everybody's on statins, stuff like that. And I just I saw the shift way more uh, before 2020. But I think, and I called, I by the way, I called this about uh, the the Zempic and stuff like that being pushed about six months before it happened. I was like, now that they've got everybody used to thinking that they should get a vaccine for everything or get an injection mm-hmm. for everything, and all these injections the push for weight loss surgery and weight loss, uh, drugs is just going to be impressive. And Ozempic is looking, Ozempic and Wegovy are looking to be the most lucrative pharmaceutical medications ever for the pharmaceutical industry ever. And the weird thing I find about this all the whole, the whole time is these medications are made to just make you eat less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's literally what they do. So it's, they sell it on a, on a, on a label of, well, you're obese because you're genetics, but take this medication. It's going to make you eat less. Right. When, uh, when you have new clients come to you, have, have you had any new clients come to you that have been on it?
1: No, I haven't. I mean, not yet anyway. So I haven't worked with anyone directly who's been taking it.
0: Yeah. I've had, pe- I've, I've had a few people on it and I've had a few people that, the you know, many people that have gotten off of it and then come to us and they've either started using our supplement or they they've literally just come to try to, just manage their hunger via food. The crazy thing is they have a very hard time getting off of it because apparently the side effects rear their head again when they come off of it. And a huge problem is it actually lowers their basal metabolic rate because the level of body mass, lean body mass they lose, is higher than if they would lose weight without it. So there's often there's there's many occasions where the person actually their body fat percentage goes up as their body weight goes down oh. because they're losing they're losing more lean mass, bone mass and muscle mass than they are fat mass, right um, So they have a they struggle with the portion sizes, but normally I put them on like either keto or carnivore, or I do a, a version of like You know, in the morning, it's carnivore, in the afternoon, it's keto, and then it's whole foods in the evening. No processed carbohydrates of any kind for a little while until we get your muscle mass back up. Mm. Uh, Instead of cardio, we have them go more towards uh, uh, resistance training to try to build muscle mass back and everything like that. Um, But it's just gotten to be very strange because I don't think that the results are playing out, even though they're pushing for it. How much do you think 2020 has impacted the way people are uh, viewing not only themselves in a health, health fashion, but what they're willing to do about it, like such as the Ozempic and Wegaby thing?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think we can stress enough how much the government succeeded at convincing people that they're not able to do anything on their own and that they need pharmaceutical or government assistance to do the most basic things. I mean, I, this it's kind of a joke, but it's also not. COVID broke people. It completely broke people's Brilliant. brains. And I don't think, it, and it's by design. Nobody can say that it's not by design. They were so mm-hmm. successful. And and I don't think there's any way back for a lot of people. I think that they have just been so, they, they've just gone so far down the rabbit hole of believing that they can't, you know, they can't take care of their own health. They can't take care of their yeah. own body. They're not even able, even down to like not being able to educate their own children. Like the government has even convinced people that, mothers are not equipped to educate their own children and they have to go to the public schools and they have to be taught by these mm. teachers. And so of course they're not gonna believe that they can take care of their own health. And the pandemic, I think the absolute worst thing, there are a lot, but probably one of the worst things about the pandemic is that it completely isolated people. And if you look at all of these, so for example, that 85 year long study from Harvard that tracks yep. you know, the happiest, healthiest people, the number one common denominator is warm relationships. Mm-hmm. is having a good family life. And we've seen that with the blue zones. One of the biggest common denominators is people could be 90 years old and drinking wine, eating cheese and bread and pasta, but they're with their family every night for four hours. They they mm-hmm. have a lot of social interactions with their friends and family. And that's that lowers stress in your body and stress causes so much inflammation and can lead to mm-hmm. so many chronic illnesses. So I think one of the worst things to come out of COVID is that people now live these very isolated lives. And even- teenagers, they lost like three years of high school. So yeah. then of course you have all of these young girls who go to the doctor with irregular menstrual cycles. And instead of helping these girls treat the root cause of an ultra processed diet, eight to 10 hours a day on social media, um, living a sedentary life and never going outside instead of actually helping them get healthy, they're throwing the birth control pill at them. Mm-hmm. One thing that I talk about a lot too on my page, because I don't think people understand how much the birth control pool is ruining women's health. It's making them depressed. It's recital, It's making them fat. It's many times is making them infertile. So I think 2020 and the years after have just broken people to believe that they desperately need big pharma and the government to even survive.
0: I think you're, I, I, I in, I, I personally believe that the pharmaceutical industry is likely the most corrupt industry in the world. Uh, you know, just because how, how they operate, they, they are known, a known historically corrupt industry, historically corrupt companies. Pfizer paid the largest fine ever. It was billions of dollars they had to pay for bribing doctors for having, for bribing doctors to lie basically. And the, you bring up the birth control pill. What I find funny is that, uh, like hormone replacement therapy as you age, I, I has been shown to have a massive, massive amounts of uh, very positive effects right. for people for longevity. It avoids sarcopenia, and for women, it avoids a lot, a lot of issues, a lot of issues. However, um, birth control hormones given to fourteen-year-old girls while they're still developing—I I just don't, I don't know how we got there. Uh, I, I just, I don't know how we got there. My wife and I have been married a long, long, long time. And right when we started dating, she when she was thinking about going on, on the pill. She, it did not work out well, you know? Like, I mean, like, I mean, it's when you can, she had never been on it, but when you can notice that it changes behavior, how Mm -hmm. they feel causes depression, those sorts of things. Like stop taking this. Like if you're on any medication and it changes your behavior, you should be talking to a doctor uh, about like coming off of that medication um like uh, even some allergy medications like i think it's zyrtec uh, zyrtec's been known to, to cause very serious depression in people too mm. you know and it's over the counter but it's we've gotten so used to uh like all these artificial remedies and I noticed that you—I mean—you do a lot of cooking, which is another thing that we have very seriously in common. I cook almost everything from scratch mm-hmm. in my house too. You're mm-hmm. on a big sourdough bread kick right now, yeah. right? which I—which I, I—which I think is amazing because out of all the processed carbohydrates you could possibly have, you occasionally have some sourdough. It's actually good for your uh, for your gut, you yeah. know. Um, and that's that's the type of thing I think we need. But then I talked to my son, who's 23 years old, right? Him and his girlfriend. Are the only two people in their entire friend circle that have any idea how to cook? Oh. Like, any idea how to cook? How, like, I'm not saying all this was planned, but I can tell you, being in the healthcare industry, they want people sick, they want you dependent. Okay. It seems like such a coordinated effort for that to happen. When you brought up COVID, it occurred to me how. You know, I think it's uh, RFK Jr. stated it like the you know, the average people that gained weight gained twenty nine pounds in the, in twenty twenty, and I think it's actually likely more than that. If you, yeah. I mean, if you can't go, just go go to a Walmart right now, and the, the level of obesity is just catastrophic. It's it just is. crazy. Yeah. And for about a, for about uh, half a decade, they uh, the CDC has been kind of. Uh, Massaging the numbers on what obesity is, because if you look at their 2018 numbers, if you went by waist height ratio, the average person in America was viscerally obese, had a, had a, a waist to height ratio above 0.6, right? The average woman was 170 pounds, at 5.5, you know, 5 foot, 3 and a half inches tall, 170 pounds, at 5, 3 and a half, uh, with a waist to height ratio of 0.61. That's the average woman in America. And the average male is 200 pounds. Like you and I both know the average male like should not weigh close to 200 pounds. Like like the average male five, nine, uh, should be about 170 pounds, right? like, you know, somewhere in there. And instead of like saying that we're over 50% obesity, they're used, they're still going to go by BMI, but they also allow the Avenue for BMI to be kind of looked at as, as flawed, you know, and it just muddies the water even more. It's the same thing. Like when with COVID, how they did, deaths and then they did went to cases like well, yes. we got to worry about cases like well if i get to catch covid actually kind of a good thing because then i get natural immunity you know so my case is a positive if my mother who is 80 years old with like six seven comorbidities gets uh covid that's a dangerous thing you know and i i, I think that this the fear tactics you know i think in the obama era is when we went from our government was told to like try to keep everything, like try to keep people calm. Like H1N1 happened during Obama, and mm-hmm. nobody even knows about that. By the way, people, you can look statistically and know H1N1 is dramatically more deadly than COVID. Like, yeah. like has a much higher infection fatality rate, a much, much higher. Um, it was barely on the news. <laughs> they just told people to be healthy and wipe, you know clean your hands and go about your day. Uh, that was the last time that happened. And then it was everything, all terror, all the time. Yeah, you know, and especially when uh, when the Orange Man got elected. I mean, it was all like it, it. We became so divisive. Do you still have anybody in your circle that is from the left? Like, like do you have, do you have any liberals that you that you speak speak to? That are-
1: a couple, not many. I I would say probably a handful, three to five friends from San Francisco who are more liberal, but. You know when we, my husband and I met in San Francisco, we met at jujitsu. My husband teaches martial arts, and my so yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> So I, I was also at the time I was working in fitness full time as a coach. So our circles of martial arts and fitness, those just generally tend to be a little more center or right. So our immediate circle in San Francisco, even though San Francisco is crazy with you know all the not so lefties a lot of our friends were more on the moderate side, you know, even if they were left of center. So I didn't lose that many friends in my sort of transition, but I will say there are three to five friends who are still pretty much very, very on the left, but most of them I c- we can kind of like joke about politics today, you know? But even them, even those friends are really coming around when it comes to things like the vaccine, when uh-huh. it comes to things like, Big Pharma, you know, I think that there is a shift happening that people who are classically liberal and may disagree with us on social issues like gay marriage or things like that. I think they still we still find a lot of common ground with them because they're starting to realize that the system is very much rigged against us and that the government is, you know, government is not they don't want the best for us. So I, I think that there is a tide that's turning.
0: So I, I think that's a huge thing. Also, I, I really, I, I, re- I really, the, the the government pitting us against each other is a huge thing. Because what's weird for me is I still consider myself kind of in the middle on a lot of stuff. I'm mm-hmm. obviously very seriously conservative when it comes to constitutional rights. I believe all gun laws are unconstitutional. Right. I believe freedom of speech should be absolute, and I don't even mean the Elon Musk type of absolute. I mean like I should just be able to say whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. You know, like like anywhere. And I think it's the government's job. To be able to protect me, so like if 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 a platform would take me down, the government should have stepped in and said, "No, no, you can't infringe upon their this person's right to speak." You know, and if I say something heinous or racist or something like that, then people know I'm a heinous racist person, and now we know, right? Mm-hmm. But along those lines, like when it comes to like uh, like social stuff, I have my beliefs on 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 almost every topic, but they all almost fall back to the Constitution, like. I believe in like minding my own business, individual liberty, and I believe like that the government should know almost nothing about us. But instead, I have watched this pattern uh, multiple years of Black Lives Matter. Then from Black Lives Matter, once that started failing, uh, then we went to uh, what what was it? It was a stand for Ukraine, like a bunch of American citizens putting Ukraine flags in their fucking like and and and, che- and cheering, sending billions of dollars while we have homeless vets. It's disgusting. And then we, you know, we, then we literally had, uh, you know, now now it's it's the LGBTQ four five whatever it is, you know, and the, trans of, and the trans kids thing. And the when they went for the kids at first, I was like, oh, the community's gone too far. And I don't think that's it. I I, I really I really think that that the people that are, that have a vested interest in keeping us divided. I think that they're they're the ones who are like, OK, we need to have, we need to have drag, kid drag queen hour, you know, because they knew that that would flip people's lids. I feel bad for the old gays. I, I even I even talked about this for a while. Like the people that were like, like marched f- forever ago that you know j- they just wanted to be left alone. You know, that's their constitutional right to be left alone. You know, I, if it doesn't affect me, I'm a big believer it doesn't affect anybody these people fought for decades to try to get the stigma of pedophilia off of them. And now it's been slapped back on the whole community like that. Right. And I just don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't believe that this, like we've nearly seen the end of this. And I do think it does happen on both sides a little bit. Like I'm watching the whole, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the whole DeSantis, uh, Trump thing? Like it, it kind of saddens me to see like, to see both, it kind of saddens me to see both sides do this because right now there's a whole I don't know who the fuck still supports Biden. That's that's just next level crazy. But the whole Biden, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. thing, mm. like it's like they, even the people that are supposed to be on kind of the same side, it, it's not even debate or anything like that. It's so visceral, it's so like alienating, you know, like uh, that. I, I wonder like if that's part of the whole like idea of keeping everybody divided too, because right now we even have conservatives yelling back and forth each other about DeSantis and, and Trump, Yeah, which I don't know how they think that that's productive. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it's so tribalistic and it's very, very unproductive. Uh, it's, it's disappointing because, you know, kind of looking at it from the sidelines, I guess you could say, because I, I loved a lot of the things that Trump did, but nobody can deny that he also screwed up royally on a lot of things like putting Fauci in power. I don't think anyone can deny that Fauci would not have, he he wouldn't have had as much power as he did if it weren't Trump giving him that power. But you can't, you're not allowed to say that because then the Trumpers will come after you and call you, you know, an establishment shill and say the approach is handed. You're just not allowed to really, to criticize Trump, even if you are a fan of him. And then, you know, there's, some things about DeSantis that are great. And then some that I just, I feel he's a little bit too manufactured, whatever. He, he you think he's a little bit establishment, but the problem is, is that things have just become so tribalistic. And there's a really big thing happening also on the right of just outrage culture. A lot of the things that people on the right are talking about and arguing about today is just pure outrage that I think is completely unproductive to what actually needs to be done. Cause there's a lot that needs to be done right now but I think that a lot of people on the right are being distracted and sure. It's It's intentional. It's by design so that we are distracted from the bigger issues, but there's a lot more important things that we really should be talking about. But the whole Trump versus DeSantis thing is I I'm already tired of it and it's not even 2024 yet. I'm already tired of it. And I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't like, I'm, I think that Trump will probably get the nomination, but I don't trust our voting system. Me I either. don't. I, I, I think that if, if it's Trump versus Biden again, I think they're going to do everything they possibly can to get Biden in. He's probably going to go in again. Who knows? He may not make it through a second term and it's going to be Kamala that takes over. I just don't have a lot of hope right now. And I don't think it's so much about we need more people to vote. I just don't believe I, I don't believe in the voting systems.
0: Well, I was I, I'm a big advocate for uh, I, I worry much more about local elections. This is where this is where people call me a libertarian, when I'm not actually libertarian either. But um I am not for DeSantis running. I live in Florida and I would, I much would prefer him to stay here. I see that too.
1: Yeah. I'm not even a Florida resident. And I say that.
0: Um, We were, we have been the last bastion of freedom, which is another reason why when, when Trump, when Trump, like when Trump has been coming out recently and saying that Florida handled COVID poorly, that just gives me such the creeps because like, if, 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 if if the orange man could just come out and say he handled COVID poorly, he'd get my vote. You know what I mean? Because like the economy, when he when my only beef with him was how he handled COVID. That was yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Um, and because the economy was crushing, like crushing, crushing before COVID. But for him to like be using the rhetoric of cases and stuff like that against Florida, it's just so weird to me. Like, it's almost like, like a switch of sides and like, our, like the RFK guy sounds more conservative now than like, it's yeah. like, it's, it's like they set up these oppositions but I was I'm all for DeSantis staying in Florida and I, I would love to have a convention of the states, which I think is like our true way out of this, um, because I don't trust the system. Our, our, our justice system is completely, obviously blatantly rigged uh, and it's not rigged against necessarily even Democrats or Republicans. It's rigged against the people, um, our justice system. The FBI is corrupt. The CIA is corrupt. Um, So I I would love for us to get enough governors together to get a convention of the states and kind of reboot the federal government, but I just don't think like most people have never even heard of that. But health wise, just because I know I didn't want to keep you too long because I know I know you had stuff to do today, but I just wanted to ask you: Trump wins, okay? He's president again. What are the odds of another pandemic?
1: Oh my gosh! I didn't even think about that. That's a really scary one because I think I sort of let my guard down at the end of last year because last year I was thinking to myself, I'm like, this is not over. They are going to manufacture something else soon. And there's some, I don't know, I guess I kind of forgot about it at the beginning of 2023. But, you know, now that I think about it again, I think we're we're going to have to brace ourselves for something else. Because if he does win, if Trump is back in office all bets are off. Who knows what kind of shenanigans they're going to get up to just to do anything to sabotage him because it worked the first time and well, they were so successful at it.
0: Precedent has been set. Like that was my biggest problem. Like, the, I don't like, this is also another question I, I like to ask. COVID, when did you know it was bullshit? I, I, I said something on March, March 15th of 2020.
1: Me too. I'll, I'll never forget. At, at that time, I was still working for Candace Owens and we were in... LA filming for her podcast. And I just, we looked at each other. We were, we were looking at the videos that people were sharing. People were sharing these videos of people in China, like random people, like fainting subway. (laughs) (laughs) And we looked at each other. We're like, this is fake. This is totally fake. Even before they said 15 days to slow the spread, I just knew that it was just total bullshit. There was just no way that this could be real. And then I think because we were in California, we ended up having to leave California early because we didn't know what was going on. We were like, we're not going to be stuck in the state if they like actually lock down. It just got so crazy early. I I remember a lot of people on the right, a lot of people today, a lot of big names on the right who are very, you know, anti-COVID narrative now. They were so pro 15-day lockdown. A lot of them were. I mean, they had a lot of people fooled, even on the right.
0: And it it makes you wonder if they were fooled or if they were paid or I mean all all those things too like I, I I always think about back to like uh, the rhetoric around not only COVID but but the vaccine like my my thing is anybody that bought into the vaccine there was never even a need for one like COVID was like this was we knew very early on like I, we were on a cruise we were the last cruise ship they let back into the country like they almost they almost made us stay out there which was I still can't get my muster up to go on another cruise because it terrified (laughs) me. Right. And like, so I'm basically, I I wrote, I wrote a post from Cozumel Mexico on a cruise ship and I'm getting actively canceled. Like, like, because I'm like, Hey, everybody just wash your hands. And like, if you're sick, stay home, but like, remember freedom, isn't free. If you give up your freedom, you have to fight to get back. Right. And people got super upset. A lot of people that I would have thought would have been like diehard fitness, you know, right leaning people. Right. And I looked at the, all the data. I'm like, this is fat people and old people. This is what this is, these are the people that do the dying, you know. Yeah. And I said that live that these are the people that do the dying, and the death threats from even conservatives were just like coming in wow. every 15 minutes. Wow. But I'm from I come from healthcare, and that's just the truth. These are the people that do the dying, morbidly obese people and elderly people, when there's a new flu or something like that, those are the people that do predominantly the most dying because. Like for young, healthy people like us, it's barely a cold, right? Right. And then when we got home, I remember turning on the Roku, like, like our Roku TV, and the banner on Roku already said, safer at home. And I'm like, how did they even make this graphic that quickly? You know, like, and so to me, I was just thinking like, this is way too coordinated to, to it, for it not to get really crazy. Like really, really, really nuts. So I, I I followed along with you. I'd love to have you back on at some point in time. I know yeah. I don't want to keep you. So can you tell everybody where they can find you, find your coaching, everything like that, please?
1: Yeah, sure. So I have a women's health group. We do workouts there, health challenges. We're also doing a fertility series right now that's really useful for women who want to Prevent pregnancy without the pill, or maybe try to get pregnant. Um, a lot of exclusive interviews in there. You can just go to myhealthshift.com, and you can find me on Instagram gmflorio and on Twitter at floriogina. But I would love to come back on any time, Alan. I mean, we can make a regular thing out of it. We got a lot to talk about.
0: That would be awesome. I would, I would, I would, I would love that. I will send you a message on uh, on Twitter that for the normal via Avenue. Uh, and then we can set something up. I would love to have you and other like even more people on. I think we need to ha- start having these conversations based around health uh, and uh, freedom, you know, because yeah. they're 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 very hand in hand to me. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because I I, I saw I saw we very much aligned, too. Yes. So, yeah. And then uh, I might be I might be up in Tennessee sometime soon. I would, I would love to, for the, to meet you live live in person. My wife and I might be coming up there at some point in time for the C Marks new gym. So that would yes, be awesome. Yes, we
1: have a little studio here so you we can come film together in person. We would love to have you guys.
0: That would be awesome. Thank you very much. And um I'm going to let you go now because you said 45 minutes and I I stick to my word. Perfect. So everybody thank you very much. By the way, I just I, I would like for you to share this too when you see it on 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 Twitter real quick. I just started a petition that is uh, begging the, the FAA to set a size and weight limit on commercial airline travel for the safety of all passengers please. Um, so please do go sign and share that petition we where we've already gotten like close to hundred signatures or 60 some signatures. And I just did it right before this, but I think that we need to have like reason and common sense come back to the world. And that is one way to do it. Instead of giving humongous people, extra free seats that are endangering everybody on board, mm-hmm. including uh, in case of evacuation or even people in front of them or behind them, please do go sign that. And we can pressure the F- FAA to make it so people that weight over 300 pounds or have a waist height ratio of above 0.7, which by the way is fat as fuck, um, uh, not be able to fly until they lose some weight. And thank you very much for joining me, Jean. I appreciate it. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Okay.
1: Thanks Alan. Bye. Thank, thank you. you
0: everybody. I'll be back tomorrow for a live Q and a everybody. Thank you very much. And I hope to talk to all you soon. God damn.